Crystal. Hi, Kat. How are you? Um, I'm so hot. <laughs> oh my god, this weekend is supposed to get to a hundred It's supposed to be like a hundred and six. Oh my god, is what I, I saw. I don't have AC. I know. I live in an attic. Oh man. I mean, I would say I know I'm so hot too, but I'm actually freezing because we all know. Yeah. How, how I live in this house of freezing cold. Yes, and I can't turn my fans on because they'll interfere with the recording. Oh. Um, so we got to get through this so I can turn yes. the fans on so I'm not dying. Well, but, let's um, get going. Yeah, so um, remember at the end of last week's episode, I mentioned that I chose this week's case for kind of a weird reason. Oh, yes. Um, this, oh, that's right. Okay. And so the state that this is from is South Dakota. Oh, that's the state we did not have any listeners. Yes. At the time that I chose this, we did not have any downloads from South Dakota. We now have two. Oh, well, hopefully the two downloads in South Dakota (laughs) are appreciating this right now. We'll see if we can get anymore. Hopefully they're still listening. Yeah. Um, But this week we are going to talk about Robert Leroy Anderson, uh, also known as the duct tape killer. Okay. I'm actually going to throw a disclaimer that I don't think that he is like actually known as the duct tape killer. <laughs> Did you just make that up? <laughs> no, no. I think that the authors of this book made it up. Oh, I'm like, are we just making stuff up now? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure there was a book that came out semi recently called the duct tape killer. Mm. And I swear it's the first time that I ever saw him referred to as that. So, Oh, that's weird. Does does any of this story well i guess we're gonna find out but is there a lot of i'm assuming duct tape i mean he uses duct tape (laughs) not enough to be known as the duct tape killer like (laughs) he's not cocooning people in duct tape oh my gosh wouldn't you love like the scotch tape killer like that's like (laughs) that's like all they used or like invisible scotch tape too like, and that was like his calling card he was an empty up like christmas present. yeah like <laughs> all right man someone's we're gonna have a news story come out and they're gonna refer to us when they ask what their um where the idea for this came from or we just lost our two downloads in south dakota <laughs> We'll soon find out. We'll soon find out. Oh, man. All we need is one. We got the one. (laughs) So we're good. That's true. All All right. right. So hit me with it. um, Our story starts with Piper Potts. What? She's the cutest name. That is. That's Piper Potts. That is her name. That was her birth name. Oh, that is so cute. Piper Potts attended a Bible college in Oregon where Uh she met Vance Striley. Oh, she and Vance married in 1988, and three years later, they moved to a trailer with about 40 acres of land in Canastota, South Dakota. Okay, this is a rural community. It's about 40 to 50 minutes west of Sioux Falls. Okay, they were very, very religious. They went to Bible college. Oh, and well, yeah. They actually realized this dream of theirs that they had to open their own ministry on their land. Oh. And people driving by, because they lived like just off a really big road. Okay. People driving by could actually see like the pews set up in their yards. Oh, cute. And they actually opened uh, part time the Prairie View Bible Camp for Children that ran every July for a month. Oh, so like a a summer camp, a little Bible summer camp? Yep. Oh, cute. Yeah. Piper Potts. Aw. Well, Piper Striley now. Well, Piper Potts Striley. I really like the Piper Potts. You know why we like it is... um, (laughs) Mrs. Potts from Beauty and the Beast? No, Stan Lee with uh, Pepper Potts. Oh, that's right. That's uh, what's his face is the steel man's... uh, Iron man. (laughs) Iron. <laughs> oh my my husband, if he's listening, just like veered the car over yeah. and crashed it into he a did tree. The thing where he slammed on the brakes and it <laughs> yes. like <"Arr!" Yes. laughs> All right. Okay. So Piper and Vance had two children. They had Shayna who was three and Nathan who was two. Okay. 
So Nathan's second birthday was July 29th, 1996. This right. was a Monday morning. Um, on At 6.30 a.m., Vance, who was now 29, drove to... He left the house to drive to his day job as a plumber. So he was a plumber during the day and like a... Like sermon. a youth ministry? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. that. That's why it's only a part-time ministry that they do. Vance leaves for work around 6.30. And Piper, who is now 28, worked at the Southeastern Children's Center in Sioux Falls. This was a small child care center. Okay. So at about 9.20, she called her babysitter, Miss Jordanson, to say that she was on the way because she was going to drop her kids off at the babysitters before she went to work. All right. At about noon, Vance actually leaves a voicemail at the house saying, honey, where are you? Because he hadn't heard from her all day. And she had actually not shown up to work. Uh-oh. And she never drop the kids off at the babysitters. Oh no, so the kids are with her. Um, we'll give it a second. Okay. At 3 p.m., one of Piper's co-workers uh, named Patty actually called to check in on Piper because Piper had not come into work. And Shayna, little three-year-old Shayna, answered the phone. And when she answered the phone, Shayna says, I don't want my mommy to die. I don't want my daddy to die. They're probably killed. Oh, and then she hangs no. up the phone. Oh, no. So Patty's sitting there and she's like, what just happened? Yeah. So she Patty turns to a coworker and she's like, will you please call the sheriff's office? Because something is wrong at the Striley house. Patty calls back. Shayna answers the phone again. And Patty just keeps her on the phone. Um, she talks to her for 45 minutes. Until How old is she, is the girl again? She's three years, 11 months old. And she kept her on the phone for 45 minutes? Patty kept her on the phone yeah, for 45 minutes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's crazy. I think she was just so freaked out. Yeah. That, and Patty must have kept, you know, it's a child. So she's probably like, Shayna, Shayna, talk to me. What's going yeah, on? Don't put yeah. down the phone. 45 minutes. That would be hard to do. That's how long it took for the sheriff to get there. Oh, wow. So Sheriff Gene Taylor arrived and he walks inside. He finds Shayna, Nathan, and the family dog, which was a Labrador named Chase. Uh-huh. All of them are home, but no Piper. Oh, no. So the sheriff noted that Nathan was basically silent uh, Shayna was in tears, sobbing. Oh, poor The thing. house was in disarray. Like, Piper's purse was kind of strewn on the floor. It, ob- it looked like there was an obvious struggle in the house. Yeah. But besides being distressed, the children were actually not physically harmed. That's good news. The problem is, Shayna says again, mommy's going to die. She says this several. She's very insistent that she's like, mommy's dead. Mommy's going to die. She's not coming home. Poor thing. So Sheriff Taylor and a state um, investigator from the South Dakota Division of Criminal Investigation. This guy's name was Jim Stevenson. Uh The two of them kind of did a joint interview with Shayna. Okay. But she's like three. She's three and 11 months, so she's almost four. Okay. But, but okay. still. Yeah. Shayna tells them that there was a mean man and he came in a black car with black tires. Uh-huh. He grabbed her mom. Uh-huh. She said there was a lot of yelling and that the man shot a gun. Oh. She also said that mommy had told them to run and hide. So oh, Shayna and Nathan stop. had actually gone to run and hide. Oh. And Shayna was extremely upset. And I don't know if this is like she was legitimately upset or if this is like she's so traumatized she's just latching onto one thing. Uh huh. But Shayna was extremely upset because remember, this was Nathan's birthday. Yeah. They had celebrated on Sunday night and Nathan had gotten like a brand new tent, like a uh-huh. brand new blue tent. The man had taken the tent and Shayna was very upset about this. Oh, that's so sad. Meanwhile, Vance had gone to the babysitter's house to pick the kids up. 
Oh, yeah. And he gets there and the babysitter, there's no detail on this, but what I'm assuming happened is Vance shows up and Miss Jordanson is probably like, what are you doing here? Like, the kids never came. Well, didn't you say he he had called her? Who called her at 930 to say he was coming or did he leave a message? Remember earlier you said someone called the babysitter to say they were on their way? Piper called the babysitter to say she was on her Oh, way. in the morning. Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, um, from the babysitter's house, Vance calls his own house, and Sheriff Taylor answers the phone. And Vance is like, what is going on? And Sheriff Taylor's like, you need to come home immediately. Oh, no. So, Vance comes home, and Shayna, the second she sees her dad, she runs into his arms. She's sobbing. She's crying. Again, saying, like, mommy's not coming back. The mean man took Nathan's tent. Um, Of course, Vance doesn't really know what to do here. So, he's just, like, trying to comfort her and just trying to stay calm. He's probably in shock, too. Yeah, and he has to try and divert her attention and honestly take care of what what you can take care of right now. So the first thing he does, he like, it's okay. We have another tent. Nathan, <laughs> Nathan's tent is not a big deal. Yeah. Um, but that was that night. I mean, okay. it's just a very emotional night. Yeah. And scary for all of them. Yeah. Because no one knows what happened. And you, all you have is these two kids for witnesses. Gosh, that's crazy. So the police kind of canvassed the area and they actually found some more eyewitnesses from outside the household. Okay. People said they saw a flat black. And I, when I hear flat black, I kind of think maybe matte. Like yeah, that's not, what I was thinking. It sounds like artificial not black. Yeah. Not a black vehicle. Something is weird about this. Like chalk. Like chalk paint. Kind of, maybe. Yeah. Um, they saw, they said they saw this flat black truck or SUV kind of in the vicinity of their house. But there was a highway worker who said that he saw a black Ford Bronco three times that day. Uh, he saw it once at 945, once about an hour later and once at about 1230. Very specific times. I feel like when you work... You kind of know, like, I, I was doing this, so it yes. must have been around this time. I was yes. having lunch, so it must have been around 1230. I was finishing up lunch, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's the stance I take with it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, There's also a couple that lived nearby that said that they had seen a nervous-looking young man in jeans and a baseball cap walking from the Strylees trailer to a black Ford Bronco that was parked in their driveway. And this was around 1145. Okay. And nothing kind of happens for a couple of days. Like a few days go by a couple nights later, suddenly Vance remembers something very weird. So he goes to the police. He says, you know, the Friday before. So three days before Piper went missing. We had a visitor at our house. Uh, It was this chubby, balding man. He was a stranger in his mid-20s. And he said that his name was Rob Anderson. Okay. Police are like, okay, we're coming over. We're going to get like a full statement of this guy. Uh, Vance described him as a really friendly guy with a limp handshake. Limp handshakes are the worst. I I don't know why that just kind of got me. <laughs> because limp handshakes are the worst. And I already don't like this guy he's describing, especially I, the limp handshake. I also handshake. feel like religious people have good handshakes. Because you're yeah. doing it all the time. So Vance is probably a really good judge of a good handshake. Oh, yeah. And I truly believe if you do not have a firm handshake, you that there's something wrong with you. It's either your confidence or you have just not been taught very well. Limp handshakes are the worst. Yeah. And you would think that you would learn just by like shaking other people's hands. But yeah. Like, I don't know. He like, had a did, limp handshake. We don't like. Did like he him. think everybody else was super strong and not him? <laughs> no. Like you shake somebody's hand. Yeah. Ugh. So apparently, this guy had come thirty, come by, 
at about 7.30 a.m. the Friday before. Uh-huh. When he came up to the house, he seemed kind of unsure of what to say. And he seemed genuinely surprised to see Vance. Like, okay. It, I, it caught him off guard to see Vance. This part is weird, and I don't know why they, they didn't think this was strange. But apparently, while Vance was talking to him, this guy said, like, he mumbled something about, like, driving by the house several times the last few months. What did this guy want? I, I'm getting there. Oh. So... You know, Piper ends up coming up to the door because I feel like this is normal. If you're if someone else in your house opens the door and they're standing at the door talking to someone, you're going to walk up and see what's going on. Yeah, no, of course. So Piper comes up to the door and Rob, this man, asks about enrolling his kids in their Bible camp. Okay. They Legit. Said this, this was the end of July. So they said the camp was actually closed for the year, but they would add him to their list for next year. Mm-hmm. So they took down his name and his phone number on a quick note and the man left. Okay. The police were able to identify this man as Robert Leroy Anderson. Okay. The description of him doesn't get much better. <laughs> so he's 26. He's a high school dropout. He's a twice-married father of four. Wow, that's a lot of kids. It is a lot of kids. And I don't know if that's between the two marriages or from the first marriage. I don't really know. I know that he's married and divorced, and he's currently married again. Okay. And he worked as a maintenance man from 11 p.m. to 7.30 a.m. at John Morrell. I think it's John Morrell. In Sioux Falls, it's a meatpacking plant. A lot of people know this is Smithfield. Okay. Um, he worked as a maintenance man there. All right. So once they had identified this guy, they did a really quick photo lineup. So they get the six photos. They put them down on the table. They bring Vance in and Shayna and they say, do you see the man here that took your mom? And they also say to Vance, do you see the man here that was the visitor that Came you described to, your house. to us? Yeah. The problem here was that they used Robert's driver's license photo. Well, you can't use a driver's license photo. Everyone looks... They hadn't picked up this guy yet. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. In his driver's license photo, he had long hair and a mustache. So Vance and Shayna actually did not identify him at that time. Police went and they met with Robert. Just, you know, they didn't identify him from a photo lineup. That doesn't mean it's not still their guy. They still want to talk to him. Yeah. When they show up at his house, they realize he looked completely different. He's clean shaven and his hair was actually receding. Oh. So the police did a second photo lineup with Vance and Shayna and had a Uh more current photo of Robert. Both of them picked him out. Nice. So when the officers went to his house, they said, you know, Robert, we got to talk to you. Will you voluntarily come down to the station to speak with us? So Robert puts on jeans, t-shirt, baseball hat, and drives a blue Ford Bronco to the local police station. Oh. While investigators were interrogating him for seven hours, they executed a search warrant on his house and on his car. In the cargo area of the Bronco underneath the carpet, there was a plywood platform with holes drilled into it. Oh, that were very obviously for um, ankle and wrist restraints. Oh, my gosh. They found a toolbox with chains and wooden doweling. Oh, they found traces of black tempera paint, which is a water based paint. They found a partial roll of duct tape, dog hair that was consistent with the Stryley's family dog chase. Oh, furniture moving straps. A black folding knife with bits of cloth fibers stuck oh, to it. No. A dirty shovel and a lot of like bits of uh, vegetation. So like weeds, leaves, okay. stuff like that. In his house, in his laundry basket, they found jeans with bloodstains and semen inside of it. On the inside of the jeans. Uh, later, the tests actually showed that it was human blood. Uh-huh. And... The semen actually had two sources. What? Um, yeah. And that was never explained. Ew. I mean, not uh, ew. People can do what they want, but. 
Yeah. So for they, having a limp handshake, I don't think he's like the man about town. But due to the state of the semen, they could not rule in Anderson, but they could tell, I mean, it was someone in his house, but they couldn't say definitively it was his. It's really weird that, you know, they called him to the station. You would think he would be like, oh shit, I should like pick stuff up. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, especially in this car when he still has like, I don't think this guy is the smartest. Yeah, he doesn't sound like it. And he has a limp handshake. Oh, God. Um, They also found two handcuff keys. And they found a container of black tempera paint similar to the black paint that was in his car. During the time that they were interrogating him, they kind of told him, like, these are the things we're finding, man. This, This is starting to look bad. Um, apparently he just like flat out denied that he owned tempera paint. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Robert's neighbor also kind of as a witness said that he had seen Robert cleaning the interior and exterior of his Bronco the morning of the 29th, like early in the morning. And then he said, Robert left home. He came back home around 2 p.m. And then he cleaned his car more. Apparently, he didn't do a good enough job. I was going to say, he didn't clean it very well. Yeah. Meanwhile, Robert is saying that he doesn't know where Piper is. He's not involved with anything. Just deny, deny, deny. He did admit to visiting their house on that Friday. Okay. And then he admits to going back on Monday. Did the husband know he came back that Monday? No. Oh, wow. Uh, He said he wanted to use their archery range. (sighs) I'm assuming this had to be part of the summer camp. Yeah. And something I guess he saw when he was walking up. And so it has to be out there. Okay. So he said he walked up to the door and he knocked, but there was no answer. And he said, I heard kids playing inside, but um, I assumed that the mom was napping. So I just left. That's a weird thing to assume. It's also a weird story. Yeah. Like, why would you just walk up to someone's house and be like, can I use your archery? That's too specific of details, too. You know? Okay. Anyways, weirdo. Yeah. So, Robert um, likes to talk. (laughs) Uh, During his interrogation, he just kind of started blabbing. Oh, God. Um, He talked about. He talked about how he had a speech impediment as a child. Okay. Um, He (laughs) confessed that he was interested in anal sex. Uh, He also, he also kind of brought up that, but my wife's not into it. So like, how does that even come up? He just, he's chatty Kathy. Like, what's your favorite color? I enjoy anal sex. Like, how does that even the police brought up a, a case of a local missing woman named Lydia Demansky. Oh, and Robert was like, I don't, I don't know anything about that either. He also said, uh, my neighbor's wrong. I wasn't cleaning my car that day. Okay. He also said that, well, yeah, I, I have a couple of handcuff keys, but I don't actually own any <laughs> handcuffs. Yeah. Cause they're probably still on the people that you killed. You weirdo. On August 2nd at 1.30 a.m., uh, police went to Robert's work and arrested him at work for kidnapping Piper. Good. And they start trying to search to find Piper. They searched around Robert's trailer. They enlisted hundreds of volunteers in their searches and they couldn't find the slightest whiff of her. Oh, no. A local botanist from South Dakota State University named Gary Larson. Mm-hmm. Remember in the back of the Bronco, there was um, the bits of weeds? Yeah. He identified the weeds and two of them in particular were very specific. They were black snake root and honewort. These two weeds actually only grow in a very specific area on the Big Sioux River uh-huh. Near a nearby town called Baltic. Oh, so they're very specific. Like very specific. Okay. Like okay. they are in this one space of this river 
in the town of Baltic, and that's the only place you can find them in the area. Interesting that they can figure all of that out. Really you know? interesting. Yeah. Uh, Baltic is about 20 minutes north of Sioux Falls and about 45 minutes from Canastota. So it's a reasonable distance away. Yeah. What's interesting is that on July 29th, the day that Piper went missing, at 1 p.m., a motorist driving down the road near that area of Baltic actually saw a torn black and white t-shirt on the side of the road. Oh, wow. He pulled over and he picked it up because he thought it was a referee shirt. I don't uh-huh. know why a referee shirt is like so... Um, Stop worthy. Yeah. Like yeah, that, <laughs> that is weird. <laughs> yeah, so he picks it up and he realizes that, oh, this isn't a referee shirt. So he throws it like in the back of his car and just forgot about it. That's that is a weird thing to stop for and then just to throw it and to actually pick it up and throw it in the back of your truck. It's weird. That is weird. Yeah. So November 15th, the press coverage of Piper was getting um, more and more. And the man remembered the shirt in his car because it matched the description of the shirt Piper was wearing that day. See the stuff like this. And, you know, I don't believe in like, you know, Whatever, but stuff like this makes me think like there is divine intervention somewhere. Do you know what I'm saying? Like for him to have an urge to stop and pick up a shirt, you know, that's just weird. Yeah, and it just, it coincides with this area of the river that they're saying that... um, The vegetation comes from? Yeah, so it's kind of connecting the dots there. Yeah, a search of that area actually found the other half of her, tr- her shirt oh. because the guy had only picked up one half. The other half of her shirt was found underneath a tree. Oh, wow. They tested the fibers on the shirt they found under the tree and it matched the fibers on the knife from inside That's the Bronco. crazy. So we've got things making connections all over. Yes. This is where it gets kind of sad. So... On a branch right above where they found the shirt, there were strips of duct tape, like, wadded up, tangled with human hair, like, caught up in the branches. Oh. And when, you know, hair analysis is never, like, the best. Yeah. But at the time, we're talking about the 80s. Yeah. Or, no, we're talking about the 90s. So, um, they said it was microscopically indistinguishable from Piper's hair. So it was the same color as hers, the same texture. Oh, wow. Also nearby, they found some places call it a dildo. Some call it a vibrator. But there was a toy of a similar sort. Okay. A partially burned wax candle, chains and ropes. Oh, gosh. And what's really interesting, and I cannot find a good photo of this. Uh-huh. Um, I can find photos of it, but not one that will show up well on like Instagram, for instance. I will yeah. try and find a good one. A torn end from the duct tape in the tree matched perfectly the torn part from the duct tape roll. So they got him. Yeah, they got him. Okay. The problem here is that they have enough to charge him with kidnapping, but not murder. Because they don't have a body. They don't have Piper. Ugh, no. So, of course, he goes to trial, and these are the events put together by the prosecution. Basically, the morning of July 29th, Robert went to buy tempera paint, which is a water-based uh-huh. paint, so that he could, he could paint his car. Because his, his car wasn't just blue, um, it was like blue with like crisscrossing tribal patterns across it. This is a okay. very distinguishable car. And he so, bought tempura paint. To paint his car to disguise it. <laughs> what an idiot. He then went to the Stryley's house. He handcuffed Piper. He grabbed the note with his name and his phone number on it uh-huh. that he had left on Friday And he carried her out to his car. He drove her out to Baltic. He secured her to that plywood platform in the back of his car. Yeah. Gagged her with tape, cut open her shirt, sexually assaulted her, killed her, disposed of her body. And here's where things get weird. He went back to the Stryley's house. 
What? During the struggle where he initially grabbed Piper, he had dropped his watch. So really quick, did all of this happen while the kids were at home? Yes. So they saw all of this? Yes. Even when he left with Piper and yes. then came back? That's why Shayna was so upset. Oh, poor kids. Yes. Oh, that breaks my heart. So he had to go back to the Stryley's house to grab his watch and the shell casing from the gunshot that he fired. This second trip actually matches the neighbors saying they saw him at 1145 and the road workers saying he saw him around 1230. Oh, okay. Robert's neighbor, the one that said he was cleaning his car, said that he was back home by 2 p.m., and his car was blue at 2 p.m., which means at some point he <laughs> washed his car. Because temper is a water-based paint. All you got to do is... I'm saying. Like, so he washed his car at some point. I kind of want to know why, how long it took him to paint his car, by the way. Yeah, I, I would like to know that, too. And it couldn't have been a really good job. It was probably just a really quick, like, swipe, swipe. Yeah, like borrow a friend's car or something. Like, seriously? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so May 8th, 1997, this is uh, a little less than a year. It's about uh, 10 months after Piper had gone missing. A jury convicted him of kidnapping. Hmm. And two months later, the he was sentenced to life in prison. Okay. During his sentencing, Robert complained constantly that he was innocent. This guy was a whiny baby. <laughs> you are not innocent. And actually, at his sentencing to the judge, he was like, I hope you rot in hell. Oh, God. The judge's response is so good here. The judge said, I might, but it won't be because I convicted Robert Anderson. Oh, that's a good burn. I like it. Yeah. So no one was really happy with this sentence. Obviously, Robert's not happy because I'm innocent. Yeah. Um, the judge himself was like, I'm not happy with it. The family's not happy with it. No one's really happy with it because yeah. South Dakota is a death sentence state. Yeah. The judge, after all of this was said and done, actually said sooner or later, he'll face a homicide charge. Oh. Like it was just a matter of time. Everyone knew it. Yeah. Yeah. Robert's longtime friend, Jamie Hammer, comes forward to the police. Okay. Jamie Hammer came forward with evidence 10 days after Piper went missing. Oh, to the police? Yes. Okay. So the police are kind of in a predicament here because this guy isn't really what you would call a reliable witness. Uh-huh. He has a criminal record. He has a history of substance abuse. And he actually suffered a pretty significant head injury, which caused partial memory loss. Oh, that's too bad. But they decided to take a chance anyway, because they were good. like, you know what? This guy's information is so good. If we can corroborate it, it completely overrides the fact, like all this other stuff about him. Like if he's and giving they us... They still don't have a body, right? Remember, this is only 10 days for, after she went missing. Oh, okay. Okay. I know I'm bouncing around a little bit. No, but, it's okay. Um, I, I understand. Because you'll you'll understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so basically they were saying like, if his information is good enough, we can overlook all the bad things about him. Yeah. So they interview him. Jamie said that from the time they were in their early high school years, both of them were obsessed with torturing and murdering a woman. They would talk about it all the time. Ew. They would talk about how to torture her, and more importantly, how to get away with it. That's disturbing. It is. High school students. Yeah, that's like, ew. They spent a lot of time talking about, you know, the perfect crime the same way a lot of people do. Uh-huh. And their fantasies became more and more detailed as time went on. Eventually, they actually planned to abduct a woman together. They used um, homemade, they called them wheel poppers. It it's basically just rebar, like hunks of metal, like twisted up so that when you drive over them, it pops your tire. Oh, um, but they're weird. small. They look like, you know, the game jacks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. With the ball I know what you're and saying. the metal yeah. things. It okay. almost looks like those, but thicker. 
Okay. And bigger? A little bigger? Yeah, a little bigger. So basically what they would do is they decided that they were just going to throw these in the road, wait for someone to drive by, and then when the person pulled over to take care of their flat tire, they would attack them. Oh. What Jamie didn't know is that Robert had already picked out a specific victim for this plan. For Jamie, this was just, oh, whoever comes by. But for Robert, it was like, we're going to be on this road at this time because I know this woman will be here. Oh, wow. So in November of 1994, they decided to go for it. A woman named Amy Anderson, no relation to Robert. Okay. uh, Was driving home from a friend's house and her tire went flat. So, you know, she pulls over. And the interesting thing is that she noted... Afterwards, way, way afterwards, because um, spoiler alert, Amy gets away. Yeah, I was going to say, but she's alive. Amy actually said that she saw Robert kind of like in his car. He would like pull up beside her and then drop back and then pull ahead of her. And just like this guy was being weird. He was so driving she was weird. sketched out. Yeah, a little. Yeah. When she pulls over, he pulled up behind her. And he just kind of walked up to her trunk and she thought it was just like a very bold man, just like a, I'm a man, let me do this. I'm going to fix it. Yeah. He grabbed her around the waist and started picking her up and dragging her away. Thankfully, she was able to break free and she flagged down a car that was coming by. Um, They stopped and they picked her up. Was this during the day? It was during the day. How ballsy of them to think they could just pull that off in the in day, you know, yeah. during the day. Well, you're also talking about a rural area. Oh, so okay. You can okay. go a while without someone yeah, driving by. That's true. In an interview, she actually said that she in the back of her head, she was terrified that this might be like a backup friend. Like oh. that was supposed to help with this, oh. but she had to take a chance and get someone to help her because if she didn't yeah. take the chance and she was wrong. Oh my gosh. I wouldn't even have thought of that. I would have just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so her attempted kidnapping went unsolved until oh. the trial for Piper's kidnapping got media attention. Uh huh. Amy saw a photo of the defendant and said, that's the man that tried to kidnap me. Oh, wow. So what did they do with that? Well, so they had her come in. She picked him out of a photo lineup. Uh-huh. And they interviewed a few people close to her. Amy's coworker at a uh, brokerage she worked at actually also identified him because she said he came in as a walk-in client several times. Oh. Robert was stalking Amy before this happened. Oh, And by the time they were able to get this all settled, Robert was already convicted for Piper's kidnapping. It wouldn't have done a whole lot to try him for this, too. So they ended up convicting a man named Glenn Marcus Walker for Amy's abduction. Really? Yes. Who they knew that didn't do it. They just really. Robert's got a lot of friends. (laughs) Yay. So... Jamie Hammer is not the only person that Robert made plans with. Oh, my goodness. Glenn Marcus Walker was another friend that Robert had made plans with. Is this the picture of Glenn Marcus Walker? That's that's Glenn. Okay. He honestly, when I was looking at this picture, I'm like, if Simon Cowell and Gordon Ramsay had a baby together, oh, it man. looks it looks like this guy. Like it does, it doesn't it? It does. <laughs> you'll have Look to at put that, that flowing on. hair. I know you'll have to put that on Instagram. <laughs> okay, so tell me about Glenn. So Glenn was also involved in the kidnapping of Amy. Okay, or the attempted kidnapping. So he was convicted for good reason. He pled guilty to this. Um, I think in. In exchange for a reduced sentence. Okay. But before Amy, there was another woman that Glenn and Robert worked on together. Okay. Remember Larissa Demansky, the local missing woman? Yeah, the one that he denied having any involvement because they asked him about it, right? Yeah, he's a big fat liar. Oh my goodness. In 1991, Larissa and her husband Bill moved to South Dakota from the Ukraine. 
Uh-huh. And they both started working at the John Morrell meatpacking plant. Okay. Eventually, Bill moved on to other things, but Larissa stayed, and she befriended Robert, the nice, friendly night maintenance man. Okay. Robert and Glenn together kind of talked about their dark fantasies about kidnapping a woman and torturing again same thing as with jamie i don't know how these people find each other yeah this is god and together they were like they wanted to know what it was like to abduct torture and kill a woman so they put a plan together robert had been stalking larissa for months already so he Uh was like you know perfect let's do her it's so weird how weird people just attract weird people and just like they find each other it's so crazy yeah so they use the wheel poppers here to give her flat tires to get her to stop same thing like give her a reason to pull the side of the road then we'll get her okay what's really funny is i was reading a book and i don't remember the title of book but from her perspective it said that over the course of that summer, she got a series of inexplicable flat tires. Oh, my god! She got more than one because every time her tire was flat, she would stop in a well-populated area to take care of it instead of right her. away. Good for her. So Robert on August 26th just kind of went for the straightforward approach. He approached her in the parking lot at work. Ballsy. Yes. He held her at knife point and forced her into his car. Oh, God. And from there, Glenn and Robert drove her to Lake Vermilion. Uh, this is between Canastota and Sioux Falls. So it's about 35 minutes from Sioux Falls. Canastota is about 45 minutes from Sioux Falls. So that kind of okay. tells you where it is. Yeah. Uh, Glenn described watching Robert drag her out of the car and rape her several times. Oh, no. During trial testimony, Glenn said that Robert basically suffocated her with duct tape. He had wrapped it around her head and it had suffocated her. Uh-huh. And he said that he buried her beneath a choke cherry bush. A um, what? A choke cherry bush? Yes. Oh. Um, they're really popular in that area and they grow like crazy. And if you don't control them, they can get 20 to 30 feet high and they oh. form thickets very quickly. Oh, gosh. So they're so, invasive, it sounds like. But this is also the perfect place to bury a body That's because true. you're going to yep. have to hack through a thick um, yeah. bush to get to it. What's really sad is that Larissa, now this was not confirmed by a doctor, but Larissa believed that she was about six weeks pregnant at the time. Oh, that's really sad, especially for her husband. And, you know, this is like equally cute and sad. Um, The husband said uh, a quote in the same book that I was reading. I wish I had written it down. I didn't write it down because I'm a bad researcher, apparently. Um. He said that that day, Larissa was so happy because her braces had come off that day. Oh, and when oh my she gosh. Had, when she had spoken to her husband, she said, you won't believe how beautiful I am when you look at me. Oh, stop. My so heart. Cute. That is. So May 20th, 1997. This is the same month that Robert was convicted of kidnapping Piper. There's a lot of things going on all at once here. Uh-huh. Glenn took the police to the location of Larissa's grave. And they dug up the grave and there were parts of her body missing. Oh no. All in all in that grave they found 57 items related to her to Larissa? Yeah. Uh <sighs> they found a tooth, a rib. Oh gosh. Some some wrist bones, some fingers. Her right foot and ankle, some fingernails, her jawbone, some throat bones, but like missing huge chunks of her. Uh, They also found her work gloves, a portion of her belt, shell casings and bullets, her shoes, some of her jewelry, not all of her jewelry, some of it, and some pieces of her clothing. That's sad. Yeah. Um... 
And this was 10 years prior? No, this is uh, same around the same time. Oh, for some reason, I thought Larissa's disappearance was like a couple of years before. It um, was a couple of years, but not okay. 10. Okay. Okay. So August 1997. Remember, they've made... 1997 is when Robert was convicted. Okay. In August, Robert's cellmate, Jeremy Brunner, came forward. Jeremy said that Robert bragged excessively about killing Larissa and Piper in great detail. Oh my and gosh. This is before the information had come out, I think. Like the police are working on a case, but I don't think Robert knew they were working on a case yet. Why are people so dumb? You know, you hear this all the time about these criminals that and they start bragging about the things they've done. Like no one is going to talk. You also have to take inmate um, testimony with a grain of salt. Yeah, because they could just be wanting to do it to yeah. make a deal or. What's really what I think is funny here is that Robert and Jeremy only shared a cell for a week. So for Jeremy to be saying that he bragged excessively, like Robert must have been talking 24 seven. Yeah. All day long. Well, we, yeah. Well, we know he does talk a lot. Well, like I said, um, inmate testimony is a little bit of a weird area, but Jeremy had a ridiculous amount of evidence. Ooh. Robert had admitted to him that he kept trophies from his kills and he stored them at his grandma's house. Oh, wow. He told that he told Jeremy that it was between the ceiling and the wall in the basement. (laughs) Okay, so wait. Robert had asked Jeremy was only in there on a drug charge, so he was getting out soon. Okay. Robert had asked Jeremy to kill Glenn because he didn't think that he would keep his mouth shut. At this point, he didn't know that Glenn had already come forward with all this information. Oh, no. So he had asked Jeremy to kill him. He provided him a map to Glenn's house, (gasps) a map to his grandma's house. And that's why he's giving him all this specific information is so that he could get out there, hide the evidence for him and take care of this guy. Uh, Jeremy must have been able to build so much trust with him that's insane for just a week being in his cell like yeah i have no idea uh, jeremy must be uh i don't know yeah a car so salesman police used this map to go to his grandma's house <laughs> and they found his stash oh wow they found the rings that piper had been wearing and a necklace larissa was wearing when she went missing oh wow they found Robert's gun and those mystical handcuffs. <laughs> the ones that he never had. Yes. Um, Robert also told Jeremy that he removed Larissa's skull and her teeth from her grave so that if the grave was found, she wouldn't be ID'd. Because they were co-workers. Oh, my god! And if she was ID'd, that they would find him. Him, yeah. He never said where he disposed of these. Okay. The book actually said that they, their thought is that he must have just thrown them out his window as he was driving. He also said Robert bragged about raping and strangling Piper. Oh. And Robert said that he disposed of her body in the Big Sioux River. Oh. They searched and they couldn't, to this day, actually, That's they have so still not shitty. found Piper. Gosh, for the family, too. Like, at least give them the decency to, like, I don't know, mm-hmm. bury and, you know? Yeah. Ugh. So, Jeremy said that he actually never intended on following through on killing Glenn. He was hoarding information so that he could get a shorter sentence for himself. What? That was his plan from the beginning. Oh, was, my gosh. He never intended to kill Glenn. He, he just was adding this all, like, getting all this info to Yep, so spill. he could use it. You know what? Pretty smart. Yep. Pretty smart and, on his part. You know, because he has so much uh, information that they could corroborate and all of it's real, they struck a deal with him. Wow. So well. September 4th of that year, Robert was charged with the murder of Larissa Demansky and the rape and murder of Piper Striley. Oh, wow. Good. 
March of 1999, he went on trial. This trial lasted about a month. There was one point where they thought Shayna was going to have to testify. Oh, no. Thankfully, she didn't have to. Good. How traumatic. They took her statement. They used her statement. Good. Eyewitnesses from that day, Robert's friends, Jeremy Bruner, they all testified. And on April 6th, uh, the jury was eight men and six women. They found Robert guilty on four counts. It was the rape and murder of Piper and the kidnapping and murder of Larissa. Good. And then three days later on April 9th, that same jury sentenced him to death by lethal injection. Good. In March of 2000, Glenn went on trial for kidna- his uh, attempted kidnapping of Amy a- Anderson. So a separate trial for... Yeah. Okay. Um, and he was tried for accessory to kidnapping and first degree murder and conspiracy to kidnap Larissa Demansky. Okay. He pled guilty and he got 30 years. In January 2002, Robert filed an appeal with the Supreme Court. Ugh. And, you know, the Supreme Court, I think they only take like 60 cases a year. Uh-huh. They took his case. They did? They did. Oh, wow. In March of 2002, they met to discuss the appeal. And March 30th, 2003, a year later, while waiting for the outcome of the appeal, um, Robert was supposed to be housed on death row. He was supposed to be in a cell on death row. Yeah. He had been found with a razor blade. So he was actually in a uh, segregation cell instead. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think they had him on suicide watch. Oh, okay. It was not an effective suicide watch because he completed suicide by hanging himself with his bed sheets. I thought if you're on suicide watch, they're not going to leave anything in your room that could be used to do anything like that. I don't think he was on a full out suicide watch, but they had moved him into a different cell because he had been found with that blade. Well, I hate when murderers do that. What a cop out. Like, and, and then also, why did you file that appeal? Well, so I'll get to that in a second. Okay. Um, he left behind a suicide note complaining, Ooh. complaining okay. about prison regulations, about oh how he was gosh. innocent. And then I guess I had some personal information for his mom and his sister, but he said nothing about his victims and he of said course. nothing about the location of Piper. Of course, because he's not going to take responsibility. No. So May 2003, the Supreme Court dismissed his appeal. Well, Yeah. I kind of summarized the um, decision because I liked the wording that they used. Okay. So um, all of this I'm about to say is direct quotes from their decision. Okay. So uh, the court having received proof that the defendant committed suicide on March 30th, 2003, while incarcerated and while awaiting the outcome of his appeal, this appeal was delayed at the request of the defendant so that the court could consider his additional arguments. Robert had asked for more time on this oh appeal. Oh my gosh. They said the decision in this matter would have been handed down before the defendant's death had he not delayed it. Oh, so it was his fault. It was his fault it was delayed. Wow. The defendant elected to take his own life before the issuance of the decision in the case, and one ought not be able to erase a criminal conviction through suicide. Oh, nice. This, that's the wording I liked here. Yes. Regardless of the death penalty questions, this court would have affirmed the defendant's criminal convictions. Oh, good. Therefore, the appeal in this case is dismissed. And they upheld all of his. So he would either way he was screwed. Yep. And people think that this was one of the factors in his suicide was that Uh he knew he was going to be he was going to lose it because the Supreme Court, when they deny it, that's the end. You don't get any more. That's it. Yeah. You don't get any more appeals. Another factor that people say is that his father had actually completed suicide three months prior via oh. gunshot to the head so people said that this kind of weighed on him too yeah that's kind of sad when news came out that robert had killed himself piper's husband vance just said you know happy it's over and that they could finally get on with their lives well good i mean what else is he supposed to say yeah. you know this is a little upsetting 
Okay. Glenn Walker, who was supposed to get 30 years, was released December 24th, 2015. Oh, wow. Because he went in prison at a time when South Dakota had a law that allowed a reduced sentence for good behavior. I don't know exactly what their law was. Uh-huh. But it's similar to like you get a day of credit for every day you're good. It, it Really? Can, there, I have heard of some states that have this. You essentially cut your sentence in half just by playing nice. That's insane. Thankfully, this doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. Good. Because someone can totally play the game. Yes. But Ugh. it did when he was convicted. And because the law changed oh. after he was convicted, he was grandfathered in. Oh. When he was released, he was released. He had no parole and no probation. What? He How is that served, even possible? He had served his time according to the law. That is so ridiculous. Yeah. So as a courtesy, the lawmakers actually made an announcement before he was released. They're like, Good. you know, we, we're telling you guys that he's yeah. getting out. He's not going to be monitored in any way. And the only thing anyone really knows is he left South Dakota. Well, good. I hope he's somewhere just, I don't know, being dumb and not causing any trouble. Yeah. So this is something that we hear often is like the concept of there is no closure. There is no justice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Piper's mother, Jean Potts, said that people are always talking about closure, but there is no real closure. When you have a child who is raped and murdered, how are we going to get closure? How are we going to get over it? Yeah. Her father, John, said, I don't want this horror to be forgotten. There are predators and they can be anywhere. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Yeah. And you know what? Like when when people, you know, ask like why we why there's podcasts about true crime and why we tell these stories. It is just to like, yeah, that there's bad people all over the place. Yeah. And it's to make sure that these people's stories don't get forgot yeah and so easy yeah especially sorry no it's okay i was gonna say especially in this case because piper has still not been found yeah yeah and it's so senseless that their their life that was taken shouldn't be forgotten or erased by like these killers shouldn't get the right to erase people like that and and i feel like that's what they essentially do and if nobody talks about them anymore and uses it as, you know, a lesson or a warning, like, mm-hmm. or for, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, we're, um, we're recording this about a month before, but I think this is actually going to be released right around the 25th anniversary of her disappearance. Oh, wow. Well, good. I didn't even plan that. But No, that's great. Is this the douche canoe right here that I'm looking at? The, in his orange, orange jumpsuit. jumpsuit. Yeah. Can God. you, this guy, remember? His face, he was, such a, he's just. He has such a punchable face. If he I've really ever does. Won, if he's I've very just, smug. Yeah. He reminds me of Dennis Rader. Yes, he does have a Dennis Rader look, but look at that face. Like, I just want to like flick him in the, in the <laughs> nose. He has a very flickable nose. Yes. Ugh, good riddance. God. But then thinking about also this guy thinks that he's so smart and he can get away with this stuff well he wasn't and so he took his life in his own hands not that i ever think that's okay but just i'm glad he is no longer on this earth yes yeah well wow thanks for that so thanks south dakota for the um yeah inspiration i suppose and for the two downloads i hope we get more after this (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure there's more because people who keep their information private like they don't do information sharing on their phone yeah it won't show me where they're from but yeah that just meant that it looked like south dakota didn't have any but now we do so it's yeah awesome well thanks everybody keep sharing us with your friends Share us with your friends in South Dakota. Yeah, especially in South Dakota. Yeah. I'm hot. My brain is boiling in yeah, my Yeah, I know. I know. You need to like cool off. It's so. 83 in here. It's like 68 here and I'm 
I don't mean to brag, but uh, I'm freezing right now. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go so I can turn on some yeah. fans. Uh, and, yeah. um, I hope all of you stay cool this summer. Yeah. Drink water, Goodbye. stay hydrated. Yeah, exactly. Especially this weekend. We'll see you next Bye, week. Bye, guys. Bye. Kat and I are so grateful for all of our listeners, and we love hearing from you guys. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Alternative Interest Podcast, and let us know your thoughts on this week's case. We want to cover the things that you guys want to hear, so please email us your case suggestions at alternativeinterestpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening and sharing us with your friends. Be good to each other, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.